Hi, it's me, Phil Croshaw, again from Passions. How do you fancy listening to a MasterChef finalist? Mike Tompkins, enjoy. Hello and a very, very warm welcome to this edition of Passions. And uh, this is really, really a treat, I have to say. And I know I'll be embarrassed about me saying it, but it really is a treat. And you could say a foodie treat in a way. So I'm delighted today to be joined by none, none other than MasterChef finalist, Mike Tompkins. And I think we need one of these for that. So thanks very much for joining me, Mike. Uh, give us an introduction, who you are and what your passion is. Thanks, Phil. Um, so, yeah, so Mike Tompkins. Um, I was one of the MasterChef final three from this series, 2021. Um, my passion is obviously food. Uh, I love cooking and being in the kitchen. And, you know, yeah, I think that passion sort of took me on a bit of a journey this year that has been a pretty rubbish year for a lot of people. But it was it was a great experience for me. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing how many people, I've not mentioned it to many people, but people have mentioned it to, oh, I'm talking to Mike Tompkins. Do you know, it's interesting because a lot of them knew you. You might be surprised to know that. I don't know. But actually, that's a good question to come to think of it. Do they, um, behind the scenes at MasterChef, do they prepare you for what in effect is a bit of an explosion of, of recognition? Or does it, does it happen? Has it happened? Yes, it's a strange one. So you like it's never been you know i've never been exposed to anything like this before in my life um so every now and again we'll be walking the dog or something down the road especially in the local area and i'd see a couple of people going like and then they go oh you a master chef <laughs> i'm like oh yeah yeah i was i was how you doing and you know it, it's lovely especially like locally and i've had a lot of local support a lot of lovely messages from people um to answer your question i guess they, they try and prepare you for it you know, like I, I guess you don't really know how it's going to take off. You know, Twitter is obviously a wonderful place. And um, there's obviously lots of tweets and people have opinions and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's been great. Like everyone's been super positive. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And it is like it is very surreal, and very surprising when people say come up to you and like, oh, I watched you on the show. Congratulations. And it's just, yeah, it's very bizarre. It's I, 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 yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Look, mate, my mother struggles to remember who I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so I just, I just think it's amazing. And uh, you know, obviously, congratulations and really, really well done. So let's just dig into this whole passions for food thing, which is such a wide area. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know where to start. It's that big an area, really. <laughs> I've been doing this a long time and I'm still kind of a little bit starstruck in a weird way. This is the absolute <laughs> truth. I'll tell you that now I'm admitting this on air, but it's the absolute honest truth. I wonder if sometimes if I'm the biggest fan of MasterChef in the UK who can't <laughs> boil an egg. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not doing it for effect. My wife will back me up. We all have a few. I am useless, man. 
<laughs> we all have a few disasters. I think that's how you get better. I think like I've, I couldn't count the number of times that I've made mistakes. Even in practicing, like I would have practiced something. So when you're getting ready for the show, like there's different levels of practice that you get depending on what stage you're in. So the further you go, the less practice you seem to get. I think just because they come thick and fast. And I remember practicing pasta dough and I'd made the same recipe for pasta dough 20 times. And I had a little bit of a tantrum because it was so crumbly that I launched it across the kitchen. So uh, I feel that pain. You should have been filming that. That would have gone viral, mate. <laughs> yeah, we would have done. My girlfriend trying to duck out the way. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, Love it was it. good fun. It was good fun. But um, it's, it is so broad. Like, I think the the passion for food is such a broad you know you could be any end of the spectrum and i think when you look at the master chef final itself there was three contestants there completely spread out on that spectrum with completely different ideas of food and styles of cooking and i think that's probably what made it a really exciting final you know we got a lot all three of us got a lot of messages saying that it was a brilliant final and i think that was that was down to that variation and that variety you know makes the show yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I spoke to a couple of people who were big fans of, of and I'm not, again, I'm not just saying this, they were big fans of your work and they loved the classic element of what you were doing, um, which, which was actually, you know, pretty impressive. And do you think there's a, I know you're not going to want to say anything about Tom or anything like that, but I, the, my perception sometimes is the fancier that you get, maybe the more kudos you get. Is that a, a misperception or a bit unfair? What do you think? I think it's a fine line. I think sometimes people try to be too fancy. So there was yeah. people in earlier rounds who maybe, you know, really pushed the boundaries and it probably didn't pay off for them. Um, I think I think to be fair to Tom, what he had was a very unique style um, and it, it did look beautifully on the plate. And I think but he had a very, you know, I I personally couldn't, imagine what that tastes like because i've never cooked that style of food before so it was yeah. difficult for me to translate into my own sort of language to understand how it would taste because he was using ingredients that i've never even heard of so i mean it, me you know, neither. It's, one those, it's one of those things and i think yeah. a lot of people tend to lean towards the classics maybe a little bit more because mm. that's what we're, we're used to eating so what i cooked from for me, I cook stuff that I love. I love eating, and that happens to be the classics. And I'm sure the yeah. guys are doing the same. So I'm sure Tom and Alexina were both in a similar boat. You know, she had a very eclectic style where she'd bring lots of different cultures together and styles together. And it, her food was brilliant as well. So like this, I I think the thing I love about food is there's no right way to do it. There's a couple of wrong ways, but there's no right way. So if you'd see me in the kitchen, you'd know there's a lot more than a couple of wrong ways. <laughs> <laughs> wrong ways to do it i can assure you but i think that's why i'm so in awe of you is just the very fact you can cook is uh is amazing um well, i'm very you. lucky that my wife's a, a pretty a, a half decent cook so i'm quite fortunate i think that's what my girlfriend says as well we we recently moved in and you can see the sort of wardrobe behind me and um <laughs> she hasn't she hasn't had to cook because we were practicing for master chef and then from there it just evolved and evolved and she does the washing up and i do the cooking so how did you find it uh, filming during the what well, effect was during the pandemic? Was it was it quite challenging at times, or had they got it down to a fine art by then? Do you know what? So the very first thing that was is quite funny actually. The very first thing that was filmed during lockdown was uh, Master Chef the Professionals. 
So it was the very first thing that got back filming. So I think they learned a lot from that experience. I think looking, if you rewatch that series, some of it looks quite rigid. And I think by the time it got to us, they'd kind of finalised it. But MasterChef naturally leads itself to being COVID friendly, given that you're all on your own bench. And if anything, it, it, I think it probably enhanced the show a bit because you don't have John and Greg sharing a plate. So we have to do two dishes, whereas normally they share a plate. So there's oh. just a couple of... Yeah, there was a couple of interesting bits. Obviously, that made it harder for us because we had to do twice the dishes in the same time. Um, I think the hardest thing was not being able to celebrate with everyone or commiserate. You know, there was no contact, no hugs, no high fives. That's why you get a couple of awkward shots of us doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it like, oh, sorry, we didn't, we, there was a bit of a, a bit of a light problem with the camera. Can you do that again? No, yeah, oh, sorry, we're not it quite, can you do that again? <laughs> there was a couple of those that wasn't quite enthusiastic enough because it's, yeah. it's not natural right? it's, it's yeah. not natural naturally you want to go and hug and I'm a very tactile person so I would go and hug that would be my natural reaction to commiserate yeah. or celebrate so it was it was strange not being able to do that yeah I, I certainly did get that impression that it was it, people seem to go like as if they're going to do it and then think oh hang on I can't I can't yeah. do that. It's, yeah, it's a very natural that. thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so one of one of the things I was going to mention to you actually was that uh, I got com completely confused when you talked about Nonna. Yeah. Because <laughs> in the north, and probably part, parts of the year, but in the north in Manchester where I'm from, it's Nana. You know, so, Nana, yeah, and I said yeah, to my wife, um, did he say Nonna? I'm sure that, I'm sure it's Nana. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, so I think yeah. that, that's probably where the passion comes from, to be honest. Yeah. So my mum's side of the family are all Italian. Uh, so nonno is granddad in Italian and nonna is nan in Italian. Um, so they were both from small little villages outside of Naples and they both came to the UK and they actually met in the UK, um, a little town called Woking in Surrey. Um, so my nonna and nonno were both are completely obsessed with food so my nonna always tells the story that when she came over to the uk they couldn't find decent pasta because it was you know it was ages ago now it was like 50 60 years ago so when they came over they couldn't find they couldn't find good food and the first time that they had what they called good food so pasta some fresh pasta they cried because it was such a <laughs> such a big thing yeah because my nonna grew up on a farm so they obviously had loads of fresh produce and her mum before her was always making bread and she always tells me about those sort of stories. So I grew up pretty obsessed with food, to be honest. I think my mum is an amazing cook as well. My mum and Nonna are both amazing. Um, and she had this amazing ability to, out of nowhere, create like a four-course meal. And you'd go around, you'd pop in and all of a sudden the table would be laid. There'd be plates and plates and plates. And we grew up with... It was never, you know, that's how they showed their love was with full plates of food and a full belly. And it was just one of those things that my friends would love to come round and the door was always open and, you know, no one ever left our house hungry. It was just one of those things. And I think from a young age, I was always obsessed with, you know, getting stuff to taste better. I think there's, I don't know, it's a, it's a strange it's a strange passion to sort of describe, I guess, because I know a lot of people sort of live to eat or other people sort of eat to live kind of thing. And I think there's that two sides to it. So I would much rather spend 40 minutes making my lunch 
than have a bowl of cereal. But my girlfriend would much rather have a bowl of cereal because it's just fuel. So it's it's just there's I think there's just two types of people, and it's I think it's one of those things. Yeah, that's that's very true, and I can honestly say I'm definitely nearer to your your wife than I am you. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being so useless in the kitchen; it really is a case of uh, reach for the cereals very very more often than you might think. Yeah, think. <laughs> um, yeah, fantastic. So obviously, um, you didn't. How how did that manifest itself? So you obviously had a passion for food. But then were you always um, driven or were you driven at all in your younger years to actually make a career out of food? Because obviously now you're doing a completely different job that's compared yeah. with food in, in networks and from what I can tell networks and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. um, so how, how did that how did that happen? So it's a bit of a strange one. I think I would have always loved to have done something with food. I think um, growing up, it was like I said, I was obsessed from a young age. So I was always in the kitchen, always cooking. Um, I think it's the, the probably the thing that's clear to me, having, you know, done a bit of research and now being in it a little bit, is it's such a tough industry. You know, it's a really, really tough industry. And hats off to the guys and girls who are doing it day in, day out, because it is, you know, what they're doing is, isn't short, like nothing short of incredible, really. You know, they're in there early. They leave late. It's hard labour. And sometimes it's not that rewarding. I think um, for me, it was always a, a hobby and a passion. And I, I guess I never really saw it as being a career until recently or a potential career until recently. Um, my mum actually had a, her own food business. So she would teach cooking. And she also did a big campaign for uh, Love Food Hate Waste in Surrey. So she went and did demos and stuff around like the Surrey County Fairs and bits and pieces like that. And it was all about what you could do with leftovers and, you know, how not to waste. Because the amount of food we throw away in this country is unbelievable. Um, mm. And we're all guilty. Obscene. Right? Yeah. Obscene. Yeah. I, I mean, mm. I know I'm really bad for it. I always mm. try and keep a leftover and I'll eat that, I'll eat that. And then the next day I'll cook something new. So it's like, so she did a big thing when we were younger. I must have been... Um, sort of 12 13 when she was doing that and she was also doing some cooking demonstrations so teaching the basics to people and you know like for us at home it was it was quite basic but you could really see it made real difference to, to people um and then sadly she got breast cancer so she kind of put a stop to that business um because she had a couple of operations and stuff she couldn't do any heavy lifting and and so it was always one of those that was like there niggling away as a passion for me and my mum something that we did together so I would go to her with the demos and, and stuff like that. And then I guess as I kind of got on got on and went to uni, it's one of those things that you, you kind of fall into a career, don't you? I don't know too many people that have gone out and got the job they said they were going to do when they were 14. So it's just one of those. I think fell into sales and telecoms and networks and then kept the passion on the side. And here we are. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. I mean, I wanted to go into the uh, – when I was at school, I wanted to be in the police – and yeah. then I finally got to 16, having worked hard to get some O-levels because you needed them to get in, in back in those days yeah. um, at GCSEs, perhaps as they're known now. Uh, <laughs> and then ended up being five foot five and couldn't get in because I was too short and ended up a travel agent. <laughs> well, there we go. I think that's the thing, though. I think yeah. no one can predict how it's going to turn out, right? Um, you yeah. know, looking back, would I have maybe changed career? It would be impossible for me to say. You know, I, I think... I would have loved to have done something with food, but I don't know if that then would have potentially change that passion to 
oh, this is a bit of a slog. <laughs> you know? But well, that's think, it, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's it. it really uh, did, I mean, what I've got to ask you the question. Two, two, I suppose, two in one, really. What inspired you to put the application in? And when you put the application in, were you nervous as hell that you might actually get it accepted? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. So um, I basically, I've always cooked and always cooked for my friends. So when Christmas would come around, they'd all come over and it would always be Christmas. I'd, if, when I was living at home, I'd kick my mum and dad out. They'd go for like to the pub or something and I'd have all the boys around and we'd have a big Christmas. Everyone would do Secret Santa. It was always me that cooked. and. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that I love doing. And then when I met my girlfriend, I would go to her house and I'd cook for them and her family. And they would always say, you know, come on, you're a really good cook. Da, da, da. You should do something with this. And I always kind of, you know, you never really know how good you are at these things because it's all relative. Um, and then my girlfriend nagged me and nagged me. And eventually I applied. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those things. I was really nervous about getting through the application, to be honest. Um and then, strangely enough, it was a fair few months before, because I, I remember missing out the year before because I tried to submit my application too late. So then the next year came around, and pretty much as applications opened, I must have been one of the first ones logging in and putting in my application. Um, you have to do like a short video describing yourself, and I think I ate a really hot chilli or something like that. So, I <laughs> mean. Yeah, well, you know, you've got to try and make yourself stand out a little bit. People are paying uh, good money to see that now you're famous. <laughs> yeah, let's hope that never sees the light of day. I think it's, uh... <laughs> I'm going to be digging around trying to get a copy so that I can yeah, stick it Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tapping <laughs> up all your contacts at BBC. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, that's that's brilliant. Um, yeah, well, just in case you thought you were dreaming, I just thought I'd just pull this like little image up for you just to kind of remind <laughs> yourself. Uh, it did really happen. Um, really and, and actually, did, did you find that? Did you, did you actually sometimes when you woke up, you know, shortly afterwards when you woke up in the morning? Because we all do that sometimes, don't we? Where we're coming round and we're a little bit, we perhaps have been dreaming about something. <laughs> Was there a kind of a time when you thought, oh my God, actually that happened? Constantly. I mean, I constantly had to sort of pinch myself and think, blimey, I'm in the MasterChef quarterfinal. Blimey, I'm in the MasterChef semifinal. You know, like, I think there was a fair few times where, We'd, you'd sort of wake up in the morning and you'd look over and you'd be like, bloody hell, that, that really happened yesterday. I really got that feedback. <laughs> you know, like it, yeah. it definitely yeah. takes a while to sort of um, sink in. Mm. You know, like it was an amazing experience. I still don't think it's fully sunk in now, to be honest. I think um, mm. like Le Gavroche for me was where my auntie and uncle took me when I, how old was I? For my 18th birthday for a lunchtime there, which was obviously a very, very special treat. And um, I remember, it's the strangest thing, I remember eating a carrot and I'd always had good food at home and I've always been, you know, that was the first time that I ate food and thought, oh my God, there is this whole other world out there where people are doing absolutely amazing things with food that I can't even comprehend. And I think that was where it went probably from a passion and then up a level, if I'm honest. You know, it's just, a yeah, it was amazing. It was and maybe the first time you thought, oh, my God, how can a carrot cost five quid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how can a carrot be so unhealthy for you? It's been poked in butter. 
yeah. yeah, yeah. I did actually read an interview in, in, uh, with you with you actually. Um, it was a local Surrey Surrey newspaper when I was having a quick yeah. look of it, and it, you you mentioned on there about how you kind of came. You realised that butter was king. I think you put it is the way you it put absolutely it is. Yeah, I can't believe how much butter we went for. I'd love to have um, kept a tally of how many five hundred gram packs. It's just it's in everything. You know, it adds so much flavour. It's yeah. Not great for the waistline, I must say, especially with lockdown, not being able to play football or anything. So Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, who do you support, by the way? Completely. Do you support oh, you do you follow big football? Chelsea fan. Yeah, yeah, big Chelsea fan for me. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So you'll have been uh, up upping up and down like everybody else, will you? <laughs> I can't believe it. I cannot believe that they thought they'd get away with that and try and push that yeah. through. Yeah. I've just seen um, Real Madrid and Barcelona are still sticking by their guns. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's quite it's quite. I get laughed at a lot because, uh, as you might better tell from the accent, as I mentioned earlier, I'm actually from Manchester. You know, yeah. mad for it and Glowham Gallagher and all that. <laughs> um, and uh, the um, yeah, so I lived and brought up, born and brought up in Manchester, school in Manchester, and my dad's a Bolton Wanderers supporter. So oh, guess where I got taken. <laughs> so the the Arabs take over uh, at City. Yeah. United are always rolling in in money, and I end up with Bolton bloody Wanderers. So yeah, so that I've never really forgiven my father for that. <laughs> that is, and there's nothing you can do about it either. Once you support them, you support them. You're doomed. Yeah. And I used to work in Peterborough many years ago with Thomas Cook in my corporate career. And uh, I never used to see, never used to amaze me how many people in Peterborough were United fans. And yeah. I, used to, I used to say, do you actually know where, where Manchester is on a map? <laughs> Don't worry, we've got loads of them down here in Surrey. Everyone supports United <laughs> or Liverpool. So. Yeah, yeah, the M6 is the busiest motorway in the whole country every Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Or it used to be. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're they're the two passions for me. So it's football and food. They're the two that sort of keep me ticking. I think without those, I'd go mad. So yeah, and and now of course you've got this. Um, well, numerous things. You've got this relative fame. So you're obviously considering career options now, are you? Um, what are your thoughts, or is it early days? Are you just trying to get your head around it and what you might do next? Restaurant, or is that too much too soon? What what are you thinking? So I think um, it's hard because you almost I've almost taken like a bit of time to decompress, if I'm honest. Um, you know, there's so much being fired at you on a sort of daily basis, especially with the emergence of social media these days. You know, like um, I'm on Instagram and it's just constant and it's brilliant. Right. It's all it's all positive stuff. Um, but I've got a job that I really enjoy at the same time. So for me, it's a bit of a balancing act in trying to work out where I want to go with this, excuse me, and, um, you know, how it looks. So I think for me to start with, I'll be doing a couple of um, food demonstrations at a festival called Foodies Festival. So um, a couple throughout the country. I've got four dates, I believe, at the moment, um, where I'll be doing sort of like a demo in terms of things that I think people maybe don't do brilliantly at home, but it's actually really simple and would make such a difference to sort of meal times. And I'm going to be doing some supper clubs. So, you know, taking over some local uh, establishments for a weekend or so and doing my menu, which will be really exciting. And my first proper, you know, sort of dipping my toe in the water, I guess, and getting a bit of a taste for it. And then on top of that, some private dining. So they're my sort of three avenues to start with. Um, 
the dream is always the gastro pub uh, with local produce and local suppliers and a changing menu. But I think that's that's a few years away yet, at least. I think um, there's a couple of sort of hurdles and a bit of experience to get through before I, I can fully make that decision. But that's that's the dream. That's the dream is that. Well, I mean, I think the point is that the, the, your credibility badge is well and truly in place, isn't it? I mean, that that's going to always be one of the key drivers with any of these journeys, you know. And before you know it, you'll have an agent. We won't be able to get an interview with you because we'll have to go through your bloody agent. And then before you know it, you'll have a thousand trolls giving you grief every day if, you, if they're not all. Yeah. I've had, I've had one or two, to be fair, but they just, you know, like you just got to take it with it. it still just makes me laugh kind of thing you know just let them get on with it um i can imagine it's it can be quite wearing if you're probably getting like thousands of them every day can't even imagine what that would be like um but for me it's yeah it's all been positive so have a little laugh at the one or two that aren't mike you know you've arrived when you've got your own trolls <laughs> Let's be honest. I think that's it, right? I think that's when you made it. <laughs> it's the measure, isn't it, of the day and age that we live in? It's the yeah. measure of everything. It's crazy. It is crazy. I just, I, uh, I don't know. It's, a, it's obviously a very broad topic and very sort of vogue at the moment. I just don't understand what goes through people's minds, to be honest. You know, like no, it's ridiculous. everyone has opinions, right? You just don't have to spout them everywhere. Exactly. And, and did you, um, going back to the cooking for a second, did you, how did you find it deciding what to cook? Did you ponder it and analyse it after death and change your mind 500 times? Or are you the sort of person that goes, I know what I want to cook and it's going to be that or that, get on with it? It's an interesting one. So I think um, you sort of try and draw inspiration from everywhere. You know, it's one of those where I wanted to be really true to myself throughout the whole competition. So what I didn't want to do is go in and cook a strategy i guess you could say i didn't want to cook and cook in a particular way or do something that wasn't me and i think that was it would have been exhausting for me personally to have tried to be anything other than myself so i sort of stuck to my guns with what i like to eat um which you probably saw throughout the show and desserts obviously wasn't my forte um and that's why i cooked mainly savory because that's what you know what i eat at home that's what i enjoy so I would have the basis of an idea. So usually starting with a protein or a carb, and then I would build around that piece. And to be honest with you, you go through so many different uh, stages of the dishes. So like the pork dish that I did for Marcus Waring, I actually didn't know how I was going to cook it until I got into the studio. So I tried it so many different ways. and I, It basically came down to how thick the piece of pork was. And you, you kind Thinking of- on your to, feet. You have to, though, because I saw a couple of people go through the process with me who probably panicked in the situation a little bit. And that might sound a bit harsh, but probably just, you know, lost their call a little bit in the kitchen, which can really easily happen. Um, and I think it cost them ultimately their place, probably. You know, I think one of the hardest things in that kitchen was actually staying calm. Like mistakes happen. It's it's how you kind of react to those mistakes and fix those mistakes that that gets you through. And just staying calm. We had a little saying, my girlfriend and I, which was cool, calm and collected. Is just one of those things that whenever I would go in there, I'd just be thinking that the whole time and just trying to relax. You know, you're only there once. You can only do cook as well as you can cook. And if you can go out holding your head high, then 
that's that's all you can do. You can only cook as well as you can cook. So. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. I actually spoke one of my clients. Um, I, I spoke to one of my clients. Or I mentioned to one of my clients uh, yesterday that I was going to be interviewing you, and she said, "Well, would, would I ask you a question?" And don't worry, it's not, "Will you marry her?" or anything like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, yes. she's called Palicia, and she was saying, um, "How does ask him how he managed with the nerves in front of the cameras and in front in front of all these famous people that he would probably see as heroes, like Marcus Waring you just mentioned? How did you deal with and cope with the with the nerves?" It's... <laughs> To be honest with you, I didn't really feel nervous, if, and that's just me being completely honest. I think yeah, I'd probably no, drove, be honest, yeah. I've probably drove everyone else I was with mad because we'd sit in the back room and I'd be completely relaxed and I'd be asking everyone questions and trying to have a chat, and people would be literally there, you know, terrified. But it's like you, everyone who enters that competition knows how to cook. I think it is ninety percent of it is probably who keeps their nerves the best in the early stages anyway um and i just really enjoyed it i loved the whole experience from start to finish um every the people were great you know you're dealing with like like-minded people who are all from different backgrounds and it, i just had i just really enjoyed it the, the, i was really nervous the first day if i'm honest i was really nervous that when i turned up and i thought i just don't want to embarrass myself here i just want to make sure i get through round one and get an apron and not embarrass myself and then i'll be happy and that mentality sort of carried me through it was i just don't want to embarrass myself let's get through to the next rounds we'll see how we go it was never let's get to the final that was never sort of in the in the thinking i just tried not to put too much pressure on myself really but yeah i loved it i loved yeah, it. yeah i mean it's, it's very interesting i mean people talk a lot now and in the business world particularly where i tend to operate in coaching consultancy all that arena and um you know, authenticity is a common conversation, particularly marketing, for example, which I do a fair bit of marketing stuff. And uh, that whole authenticity is interesting. And what's interesting about this is that um, you come across very likable and authentic on the TV screen. But, and I'm not trying to embarrass you, but it translates <laughs> now. It's like I'm chatting to a mate. You know, <laughs> do you know? It, it's just something that is just amazing. Some people are just likable and authentic. I mean, good God, you're in a, you're in your, you're in a, um, you're in a wardrobe right now. So there's nothing much more. So no, but it goes a lot. It goes a lot towards that whole journey that you'll now go on. Is that yeah. likability factor? Just like they say on, frankly, on X Factor and things like that. Likability nowadays and authenticity goes a long way. I think in terms of people's overall success journey, whatever success means. Yeah, and I really, I think that's really kind, and I really appreciate that. And I think I, I couldn't have gone on there and been anything else. I think number one, my mates would have never let me live it down. <laughs> you know, that would have got absolutely destroyed when it aired. So I knew that I could never get away with it. Um, and I just, I couldn't do it. I, I'm not. I, it would have just been exhausting to have not been myself. I couldn't um, imagine, you know having a strategy and wanting to come across a certain way it just yeah it's just uh, life's too short i think i think if people you know people either like you or they don't it's it took me a, a long time probably to realize that growing up um probably a little bit sensitive when i was younger and you know like my mum always wants people to you know really like her and will always put herself out for anyone um and i sort of that's probably rubbed off a little bit so it took me a while to realize that actually like 
people some people aren't gonna like you some people aren't gonna have the same opinions and it's that's that's what spices of life is do you know what i mean so it's i've really enjoyed it i really enjoyed the whole the feedback that i got from people and it means a lot when someone like you says that you know, I did come across as authentic because that was me. So, well, I, I'm I'm being I'm just being honest about it. You know, I, I'm not saying if I'd been doing this interview and and uh, you've been an absolute arsehole, I'm not saying <laughs> that I would have said, do you know what, mate, you were an absolute arsehole. But I certainly wouldn't have said that. Yeah, well, you were authentic. <laughs> Maybe afterwards. Oh, what a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah you know exactly yeah yeah but no i think i think it's absolutely fantastic i think you've done amazingly well and uh, i'm sure you should be very proud of yourself and um and thanks very much for joining me today it's been an absolute no pleasure problem. and again i'm not just saying that and um maybe one day i'll meet you in the real world uh at a chelsea versus bolton game that'll be the day <laughs> yeah i'll bring some butter poached carrots with me <laughs> yeah. yeah and charge me 10 quid for them i know yeah. i know how it works. i know how it works. you half price mate <laughs> hey listen we're not supposed to be here to have fun we're supposed to be here to do an interview <laughs> anyway great. mate really appreciate your time uh, absolutely fabulous great meeting you as well e-meeting you but there's kind of yeah. it's the only game in town these days really e-meeting is isn't it, uh, it is and thanks indeed. ever so much for joining me on passions and thanks for sharing your insights and journeys and maybe i can when you when you now when you get to the point where you've replaced marcus wearing on the chef notoriety you'll come you'll come and still do an interview and won't get your agent to tell me that uh, i'm sorry you're not important enough yet i'll come back anytime i've loved it thank you for having me thanks mate thanks very much thanks. cheers